I woke up to my mother and father talking in the kitchen. Something about a trial? Someone's in trouble. I roll over to shake my older brother. Hey, wake up, I whisper. What's going on? Listen. We both quiet ourselves to hear my parents' urgent chatter. The teacher has been taken to pilot. That can't be right, I say to my brother. Everyone loves him. You saw what he did the other day. Mama says he might even be the Messiah. My brother shakes his head. All of a sudden, my parents are rushing around, gathering food in a bag, changing their clothes. Get dressed, my mother says to us. We're going out. We both look at our father, who seems to hesitate. But then he is moving again, and we obey. The air is tense. My stomach tightens. Where are we going, I ask, but no one seems to hear. Outside, we head for the center of town. The sky looks like it may burst, and looking up at my mother, she looks like she may as well. From far away, I can hear shouting. I can't make it out. What's going on, I whisper to my brother. He doesn't answer, but lifts his chin to try to peer over the crowd. As we get closer, many people I recognize have lined the street. The whole town is out. I try to study the faces of my parents for clues, as all I can see are the backs of my neighbors. Is Mama crying? I'm starting to feel scared. I grab my brother's hand, waiting for him to push me away like he always does. Instead, he squeezes me, which should have comforted, but made me feel worse. Then, through the crowd, I see him. He is moving so slowly, crushed under the weight of the wood. I push my way closer. How can this be? Everyone I know loves him. Isn't he the Messiah? Just last week, all these people were praising him in the street, sure that he was the one. I don't understand. I press through and duck, weaving my way closer. I have to be sure. Finally, I reach the street, poking my head out. Barely recognizable. He looks nothing like the joyful speaker I saw on the square many times doing amazing things, laughing, hugging me when I dared to get close. That man is gone. Now, in the street, struggling for his slow paces one by one, this man is torn, ripped, and dripping. Thorns on his head piercing his skull. Blood pouring into his eyes, blinding his way, streaming into his mouth. I don't understand. It doesn't make sense to me, the way they have hurt him, the way they have mocked him and made fun of him, draping him in purple, giving him that disgusting crown. I thought everyone felt as I do, longing to be close to him, to hear what he has to say. Suddenly, he collapses under the weight of the wood. Women scream. Men are shouting to help him. A man approaches him, lifts the wood, leaning it on his own back. I want to do something, to help in some way. I don't even know where they are walking, but there's no way he can make it. We follow the teacher's heavy steps. It's taking a long time, and people keep leaving, a few here and there. But Mama whispers to me that these may be our last moments with him. She wants to follow until the end. Finally, we make it up the hill. There's only a few of us left. Many families have taken their children home, but I want to stay. I hear the woods slam to the ground. It's time. I don't know if I can watch. I bury my face in my mother's wrap. 
I can hear them jeering at him. Lay down, king. Here is your throne. Hot tears threaten to burst, and my throat is burning. Breathing deeply, my mother's scent to calm me. I take a few steps forward to watch. There are two other men with teacher. I know they are criminals, practically famous in town. Nothing like teacher. They are all offered the drink that helps with pain, but teacher says no. Why would he not want this? Now he's on the wood. They spit on him. My insides are ignited, and I want to save him, but there's nothing I can do but watch. Take it all in and search for meaning. The officers take their nails and hammers, pounding into wrists. Screams and cries melt into each other. From both the crucified and the crowd, the air tumultuous discord. My guts are contorted and twisting from watching. I feel as though I may be sick. But I can't look away. Not now. I want to be with him. To feel close to him. I want to see the end. It takes several officers to lift up each cross, shoving them down into their holes. And there they hang. The man my mother says is the Messiah and two criminals. Some of the crowd, people I saw just days before praising him in the street, are yelling at teacher, ridiculing him. My face burns. I'm embarrassed for him. Then he begins to say something. I hear him moan. He's praying. He asks God to forgive all these people because they don't understand what they're doing. How could he pray such a thing? Hanging there, his body ripped open and weeping. The wood is wet with his insides, and he is praying for mercy for these abusers. I keep listening, letting the sight of this, the sounds, the smells, the thickness of it wash over me. One of the thieves, he speaks to teacher. He asks to be with him. I watch my teacher, beaten and broken, speak kind words to this man. A man who deserves to be up there. That man deserves to be killed, and my teacher does not. But he says to this man, today you will be with me in paradise. Teacher's mother is here. She is standing with one of the men I have seen with teacher many times. Struggling for air, teacher cries out again. He asks for them to take care of each other, for his friend to care for his mother. Suddenly, darkness washes over our town. I can barely see. I move backward to find my mother and hold her hand. I'm scared. This feels wrong. Why have they done this? Teacher lets out a cry to God. Why have you left me? He screams. I'm terrified. Where is God in this darkness? Whimpers and moans around me, my family all holding each other. Unable to move, we watch and wait. My eyes follow teacher's movements as they steadily slow, his chest heaving as he lifts to breathe. Finally, we hear him again. It is finished. I break through the crowd, desperate for one last glimpse of who I believed to be the one to rescue us. At the foot of the cross, I trip, landing on my knees. It's muddy, wet with blood and sweat, but I don't care. 
I press my forehead to the wood as hard as I can with all that I have so that my face is touching what has come from his, my king. And then it is done. Just hearing that story um, and putting yourself um, into the story from the perspective of someone who is there um, can be really powerful. I think oftentimes we hear this story and it's static, it's words on a page, but um, this was flesh and blood. These were real tears, these were real people watching their friend, their son, the person that they had grown to love. Um, they watched him killed. And so Good Friday is one of those days um, that's very unique. It's a day that's both sobering and uh, also a day full of celebration. Um, but it's a celebration where we remember and we, um, we grieve. And so today we're going to be continuing our series. We're actually wrapping it up on the last words of Jesus. Um, and, and, and tonight we're going to be looking at Jesus' final words on the cross. Um, the very last thing that he said um, and, and throughout this series, we've talked about how, uh, you know, the, these, these phrases that Jesus said, these words that Jesus said, they, they, they weren't just random things, that they were intentional, that he um, thought through the things that he would say. And, and this phrase is no different. We're going to be looking at Luke chapter 23, verse uh, verse 46. Um, and before we jump in, I just want to say, you know, when we think about the cross, we oftentimes think about um, what we've been saved from. And we have been saved from a lot. We've been saved from our sins and we've been saved from hell and, and all those things are good and true. Um, but, but, but tonight, I want to focus a little about um, not what we've been saved from, but what we've been saved for, or what we've been saved to. Um, so again, we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 23, verse 46. Um, but why don't we just pray? So Lord, we thank you for the cross. For, for dying for us. And Lord, as we uh, focus on your death, Lord, would, would, it, would it bring us closer to you? Amen. Luke chapter 23, verse 46 says this. It says, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Just let that sink in. 
in a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And then he breathed his last breath. There's a lot of things that we can understand about this verse, um, but I think it's really crucial for us to point out that Jesus said this in a loud voice. And, and if you know about crucifixion, we've talked about it a number of times. Um, it was excruciating pain, and every phrase that he said uh, added to that pain. And this one was no different. So this was excruciating for him to, to lift himself up, to get the air into his lungs so he could say this phrase. And he said it loudly. It wasn't just a couple people maybe heard him whisper it. He said this loudly because he wanted people to hear it. Jesus broken and bloodied and beaten and ridiculed and tortured, called out, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And, 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 and what he's saying here has so much, uh, so much power and so many implications. One of, this, one of the things that I want to look at really quickly is, is that by Jesus saying, into your hands I commit my spirit, he's acknowledging that his spirit is going to live on. That his body is temporal, but his spirit will continue to live on. And so, so he's, he's acknowledging that, that this, this world, this earth, this pain, it, it, it's temporal. That he is going to die, but his spirit is not going to die. And he's committing his spirit to the Father. And I think this is really vital for us to understand that there is more to life than just the temporal things we see around us. There's more to life than, than the things that are going on around us. You know, the Bible tells us that, that, the, 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 that this life is like a vapor. It's, it's so thin. But eternity is forever. And Jesus is acknowledging that his spirit is going to live on. And, and so for you, for me, as we look around, we, we see the coronavirus pandemic. We see uh, the, the economic uncertainty. We see sickness. We see uh, all kinds of struggles, maybe, maybe interpersonal things, maybe, maybe depression, anxiety. We see all kinds of things around us. But it's so important for us to understand that that stuff is temporal. It's important. It's important and it's real, but it is not eternal. And Jesus constantly had his eyes on the eternal. And this is so difficult for me. But there's an invitation for you and for me to, to put our eyes on the eternal. On the eternal. Because this life is like a vapor. So, so this pandemic, it will end. And maybe for, for some of us, it'll have long-lasting effects. But those effects will end as well. But there's something that will live on for all of eternity. 
And so for good or for bad, the things in this world will end. So for you, your depression will end. Your, your sickness will end. Your economic uh, uh, you know, struggles will end. And one day, one day we'll be living in eternity. But the flip side is, is true as well, that if we put our security, if we, if we think I'm okay because I have enough money in my bank account, or I'm okay because I have a family, or I have, you know, friends, or I have a roof over my head, those things are good and, and fine, but they're not what bring us that eternal, eternal deep security that there's something eternal that is far more important. Which leads me to this next thought that, that Jesus doesn't just acknowledge that his spirit will live on, but he commits his, his, his eternal spirit into the arms of his father. And in doing that, by, by what he did on the cross, he invites us to be able to do the same. That you and I, we have a Father in heaven with open arms waiting for us. Saying, you know, this life is, is, is temporary, but into eternity, I'm inviting you to be with me. We have a decision to make in this life. Are we going to live for, for the Lord? Are we going to live for our Father? Are we going to live for the temporal things? See, like I said, we weren't just saved from our sins, but we were saved for the arms of our Father into freedom with Him. I love the story of, of the, the prodigal son where the, the, the son uh, runs off from his father, takes his inheritance, blows it, spends it, and, and then uh, comes back. And his father welcomes him back with, with open arms and embraces him and celebrates him. And that represents our Heavenly Father. He's saying you have security if you put your faith in what Jesus did on the cross and his forgiveness of sins. And it's not just on the other side of eternity that his arms are waiting for us. See, in the story of the prodigal son, the, the father doesn't just wait there for him. The father runs to him and, 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 and embraces him. And the father is, is running to you right now with open arms and saying, you don't have to walk through this pandemic alone. You don't have to walk through this divorce alone. You don't have to walk through this pain alone. You can, can rest in my arms. You can crawl up into my lap and, and, and let, me, let me hold you in safety. There is safety in our Father. One, one of my favorite things about the cross, there, I mean, we could look at the cross for, for, for forever and really just crack the surface. One of my favorite things that happened was the, there was a curtain in the temple that separated the presence of God from, from the people. And, and the moment when Jesus died, that, 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 that curtain that was thick was ripped from the very top to the bottom. Only, only God could rip that 
that curtain. And what that did was figuratively and, and in reality gave us access to our Father, not just in heaven, not just on the other side of eternity, but right now. The Father is waiting for you, saying, come to me. And so I, I don't know what you're going through, but I, I just want to say this to you. We have an opportunity today to say yes to that. To say, yes, I am running into your arms. And maybe maybe you're a Christian. Maybe you're not a Christian. And, and, and maybe the Lord is inviting you to do it for the first time. To say, come to me. Receive my love for you that was accomplished on the cross. That, that we had been separated from God. But, but the, the, the veil was torn. And, and Jesus paid a price for you to be able to come into relationship with God. And maybe you've just looked at the cross as salvation. And, and You've been saved from your sins, but God is inviting you to see it more as freedom to be in his arms. And he's saying it's not just, you know, fire insurance. But I'm inviting you into a relationship with me. And so right now, I just want to say a prayer and I want to invite you to say this prayer along with me. Father, I, I want to be in your arms. And I thank you, Jesus, for your work on the cross. I thank you that you made a way for me to be in my Father's arms. And Father, whether I, I said this earlier today or I've never said this before, I say yes to your invitation. I say yes to you. And I, I just I want to accept what you did on the cross and, and just come into your arms right now. Amen. Well, I'm going to lead us in one last song, and then we'll end off.